As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I have Rob on the phone, and we're here to talk a big win against Illinois. I think a win that a lot of us predicted, but maybe not in kind of the fashion that it happened. And honestly, I feel like the game wasn't... It was less close than the score indicated, meaning I think we should have won by more. Rob, how do you feel in a word about the UNC game? Or sorry, about Illinois game. I mean, jumping ahead. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to UNC. Um, no, I mean, I think you said it great. I mean, my prediction for that game was 27 to 20. I expected kind of a slow start for UVA, especially, you know, 11 a.m. We started slow against William and Mary, mm-hmm. and then we scored two touchdowns in five minutes. So clearly I was wrong on that. And yeah. like you said, you know, we won 42 to 14, but Virginia left a lot of points on the board. I mean, two missed field goals and interception on the goal line. I mean, Virginia could have and maybe should have won by 40. So mm-hmm. very pleased with that performance, which we'll get into before previewing the North Carolina game this e- weekend. Exactly. So similar to last week, we're going to do a, a, a offensive rundown, a defensive breakdown, kind of what we're seeing and what we'd like to see. And then we'll preview UNC, which I think is a much bigger game than either of us, I think, imagined at the beginning of the season. But we'll get to all of that later. And first, I do want to talk about our sponsor from Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is a free audio-only social media platform just for sports fans. You can start or join ongoing conversations. You can watch games with other fans, react to the biggest news, react to rumors, and talk about the games. And you can do this with other sports fans, insiders, athletes, and even executives in real time. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whatever groups or leagues that you want to. Come with your spiciest takes and talk about sports on the Spotify Greenroom app. UVA okay. football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. All right, Rob, last week we started off by talking about the offense and how we disliked the 4QB system. And I feel like this week that we got a little bit less of that, but there was still some wonky junk plays in there. And I was wondering how you felt about the continual, continual use of especially Ira Armstead and uh, Rodriguez in some of the schemes. Yeah, I mean, diving right into the controversial stuff yeah i mean why why wait this is what we're going to talk about the whole time anyway yeah might as well and you know of course we'll caveat this by saying 
you know, the offense was really good. Mm -hmm. I mean, 556 yards of offense. Brennan Armstrong individually passed for 405 yards, five touchdowns. Um, You know, the rushing game was somewhat seldom used, but effective when it was. So, again, like Mike William and Mary, we're going to caveat this by saying the offense looks really good. And Brennan Armstrong has a case right now as, you know, not necessarily the most talented quarterback in the ACC, but probably mm-hmm. the quarterback in the ACC who's playing the best right now. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of good going on. The fourth quarterback thing, I don't love it still. And, you know, I've said this on Twitter, and there's a lot of back and forth on this on the message boards, but I really just don't see how it's adding anything to the offense. Mm-hmm. And if anything, it's throwing the offense off rhythm. And I think the best example of this is Virginia's first two drives against Illinois on Saturday. Virginia goes right down the field. I mean, piece of cake. And then that third drive, Ira Armstead comes in, and the momentum is stalled. And, you know, you have uh, some weird third down plays. I mean, a first down play, he lost like four yards. We end up missing a field goal on that drive. Mm -hmm. So I'm just not really sure what they're getting out of this. And I think – I think the distinction here is that Keaton Thompson is really good in the role he plays because Keaton Thompson is also a wide receiver. When Keaton Thompson is on the field, you don't know where he's going to line up. You know, he had five catches against William and Mary. He had four catches um, or excuse me, had five catches against Illinois as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's becoming a productive wide receiver. So when he's on the field, you don't know if he's going to be out wide. You don't know if he's going to be under center. Um, but what you do know is when these backup quarterbacks come in, one way or another, they're most likely getting the ball. And it makes it easier for the defense to hone in on it. And I think it grows the rest of the offense off rhythm. So th- that's mm. my take on it. Welcome to hear your take. Yeah, I, I feel I feel kind of the same way. And I'm not even really counting Keaton Thompson as a quarterback anymore. I, he did not, uh, I mean, he did, uh, he attempted a pass this week along with four other UVA people. Um, so we had five passers this week, which is a little insane. But, you know, he's mostly uh, an offensive tool instead of a quarterback now. He's rushing, he's receiving, and he's much more effective in those roles. I honestly think Thompson is the most electric runner we have. Uh, his goal line rush where he got stood up and then he uh, broke three tackles on the way to the goal line. I think it was a eight yard run maybe, but he, uh, that was electric and it was a great use of his size and strength. And he is a really good runner. Now, when we stalled, I feel like we're trying to do a little too much. Now, Ira Armstead, uh, had a pass attempt. He had four carries and he had a reception and in total, he had negative five yards. He had negative five yards rushing zero passing yards and zero receiving yards for one reception so he only had negative plays I know that's unfair of me to say because you know of the scheme and and whatever but I feel like if you're doing a little too much with the offense it doesn't always work in your favor right so I I'm concerned especially going into a a much better team in UNC than any team we've played so far if we keep kind of screwing around I'm afraid of, you know, blowing missed opportunities. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, again, diversity is a strength of this offense. Like, let's put that caveat mm-hmm. out there. We had five receivers last week against Illinois, 
with 55 or more reception yards. Mm -hmm. I mean, this offense can spread it around. Rushing the ball, I think the staff has finally gone to a running back by committee approach. Mm -hmm. And we've seen Wayne, where he's so good in the short yardage situations. We've also seen Mike Hollins, Devin Darrington, Ronnie Walker occasionally get some carries. So the diversity of this offense is really good, and it's definitely a strength of what we do. And you've heard the Illinois coaching staff say that. You've heard the UNC coaching staff say that this week. I think there's just a line where at some point, you know, is this really what's best for the offense, putting Ira Armstead in these positions? And we saw less Jacob Rodriguez. Uh, he played a few snaps, but less than we saw against William and Mary. Mm -hmm. And then another thing to put out there is – Technically, right now, Ira Armstead is your backup quarterback. Yeah. So if you're putting your backup quarterback out there, and we had this conversation with Brennan a few years ago when he was on the punt teams, there's an injury risk. And I think it was interesting they decided to play Jay Wolfolk at the end of the Illinois game. I imagine they want to redshirt him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a four-game redshirt role. So by putting him in, they didn't burn his redshirt. He's got three more games that he can play. But I do think it was interesting they put him in there because Ira Armstead on his few pass attempts really didn't look that good. Mm -hmm. And Jay Wolfolk looked a bit more composed out there. So I'm wondering if we have kind of a behind-the-scenes battle for the backup quarterback job. But as long as Ira Armstead is listed as number two on the depth chart, I believe it's an injury risk to have your backup quarterback playing such a role as well. I mean, especially when he's not doing quarterback things, when he's rushing, receiving, uh, out of the backfield and getting hit in the backfield you know he so he had four carries uh, for negative five yards and he had one reception for zero yards so he's not doing the stuff with the with the touches he's getting and that's a once again not all his fault and he's definitely a dynamic player but if he's the backup I don't want him getting hurt on some funky play you know and to be fair to Ira Armstead, you know, him not looking as good in the passing game. Uh, he and Wolfolk both only got one passing attempt. And Wolfolk was out there at the very end just kind of handing the ball off. So it's I think it's a lot easier to look composed when, you know, you're not expected to do much. And I think Ira was in there, you know, trying to trying to do a little bit more, you know. Jay Wolfolk is a true freshman. He's a true freshman, right? Not redshirt. Yes, true freshman. True freshman, and so he's just getting his feet wet. So, you know, not really expecting much from him. But Ira, you know, he has been here for a couple years. He is trying to make himself known and cement his spot as the backup right now. So I feel like he was trying to do a little bit more. I think, you know, I like him as the backup quarterback. I'm not sure how I feel about him coming in and rushing the ball four times. You know, I want to give those carries to different people who have shown that they're better at rushing the ball at this point. Totally agree with you on that point. And I'll even throw in there. I'm not totally sold on Ira Armstead as the backup quarterback yet. Okay. And I think, you know, Jay Wolfolk has a lot of promise. I think really the bigger issue with Jay Wolfolk is going to be, you know, he right now he's a dual sport athlete. Is mm -hmm. he eventually going to commit to football or baseball? So I think that's a little bit up in the air as well. But regardless, I think we're both in agreement that, you know, we probably don't want to see as much Ira Armstead in the game for these kind of funky plays as we've seen. Just if you want to run those plays, just run them with Keaton Thompson. Keaton mm -hmm. Thompson's better at them. It keeps the defense guessing more. I mean, I, you know, Dr. Bob will do his own thing, but that's my two cents. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just 
it's just weird. And, you know, speaking of Anai, he called a mostly fantastic game, especially those first two drives. I mean, he really used our our assets really well, especially I want to talk about Jelani Woods for a sec. That man, he's a bad man, and he can do whatever he wants on the football field. Five receptions, 122 yards, 24.4 average yards per catch, one touchdown. Uh, he just he was unstoppable against Illinois and I I thought he was the clear I think breakout star of that game I mean, there's a lot of great people in that game but Jelani Woods really showed out and I know he was hurt oh he was a little hurt against William and Mary so he didn't really get a lot to shine but he made himself known against Illinois for sure oh yeah I mean the national guys were talking about him as well and I'll tell you the thing that stood out to me the most about Jelani Woods is just how big that guy is. He's you know, huge. on a football field, <laughs> it's like no lie. I mean, on the football field, you can only – it's really hard to stand out for being big because mm-hmm. everyone on the field is big. But Jelani Woods just looks different. I mean, that dude is a monster. And five receptions, 122 yards. Uh, I think he really showed well. And, you know, you saw him attacking over the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. You saw him, his first touchdown was more of a vertical pass. Mm-hmm. He's a diverse player, and he was really known at Oklahoma State as a blocking tight end. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy does so many good things. I'm really excited to see him more featured in the game plan moving forward. I'm really excited to see him, and I'm excited to see what he can do against, a, I think, a pretty bad UNC defense next week. I also I, I want to compare kind of the the big man on the field to the small man on the field. Billy Kemp uh, has really been solidified. He he wasn't like flashy or anything in our game. His touchdown was really nice, but he you know six catches, fifty five yards, one touchdown, nine point two average. He's a really good possession receiver, and kind of what this team needs is uh, you you know last year he was our receptions leader and. I don't know if he'll hold on to that this year. He had the most reception that, receptions in this game. But he's someone that is just going to keep the chains moving and he's going to work hard. And he is way smaller than I remember him being. Uh, maybe that's a TV thing. But, you know, being in the stadium was you could tell that he was much smaller than anyone else on the field. <laughs> Part of it just might be he has to line up beside Jelani Woods. Right. Well. But I'm actually glad you brought up Billy Kemp because Jelani Woods is flashy in his own way in a tight end sense. And you have Rashawn Henry, Dontavion Wicks, Keaton Thompson at wide receiver who, you know, also make kind of splashier plays. You know, each of them had longer receptions mm-hmm. on the day. Rashawn Henry's long was 39. Dontavion Wicks was 35. Keaton Thompson's was 23 yards. Billy Kemp, like you said, six receptions, 55 yards, long of 14. But it's so apparent watching the game, and I really picked this up when I rewatched it, mm. how much they trust Billy Kemp. You know, there's two plays that really stood out in my mind. One was a third down where he ran just kind of an inside slant route. And I mean, Brendan Armstrong just threw a bullet to him. Mm. And Billy Kemp got up in the air, made that catch. I mean, it was a really impressive play. And, you know, no bobble. We've seen a few bobbles here and there from. Um, Jelani Woods, Dontavion Wicks. I mean, Billy Kemp caught that and came down. And the other play was a roll left for Brennan Armstrong. And there was only one read on the play. He was rolling left, and the only receiver on the left side of the field was Billy Kemp. And he ran, you know, straight up the field before stopping and turned back. And he was wide open. And it just goes to show 
you know, how good of a route runner Billy Kemp is, but also how much they trust him, you know, that he was the only option on that play. So Billy Kemp, not the flashiest guy in the world, not, you know, he's relatively quick, but not the quickest guy in the world, not the fastest guy in the world, but he's dependable and he's a really big part of this offense. And honestly, in a tight game, which I'm expecting this week, I'm sure they're going to go to him in big moments. Yeah. And you know, that that's the other thing is like, we're talking about Kemp and Woods a lot, but the whole wide receiver group has been really impressive this whole time. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned them all, Rashawn Henry, Dontavian Wicks, Keaton Thompson has been uh, outstanding in the receiving game as well as the rushing game. Uh, we had five players with a double digit average for for receiving uh, that includes Britton Armstrong with his one catch of 18 yards and I just think that this group is a lot more dynamic than I think I realized especially at the beginning of the season when they weren't in my top five position groups they I think what were they for you number five I think they were number five, and yeah, I mean, I low-balled them as well. Right, and I, I think they're a lot more dynamic than we think, and that goes along with, you know, Brennan Armstrong, his um, his name, he lives up to his name, right? He's got a really strong arm, and we haven't seen, I mean, I mean, Ben Kurt had a really strong arm too. I think Brennan might be even more accurate than Ben Kurt, because he made some outstanding throws on Saturday against Illinois. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was picking that defense apart. I mean, he looked, you know, it's funny because we probably get too carried away, but there were threads on the message boards this week talking about Brennan Armstrong as a Heisman contender. And it's like, all right, well, it's week two. Let's not get too carried (laughs) away. But people are buying in. And I'm actually, I thought about this this week, and I'm glad you bring up Kurt Mm Benkert because it gives me an opportunity to bring up the offensive line Mm -hmm. because the offensive line is not dominant and run blocking. I mean, they're not necessarily overpowering. Look at the pocket that Brennan. He's got many seconds to throw. Oh yeah. He's rarely under pressure. I mean, he can just sit back there, read the defense and make the right throw. Really no one in his face. Mm -hmm. Now, some of that is probably due to the fact that we haven't faced the stiffest competition. I think Illinois was probably worse than, we realized yeah but at the same time this offensive line is giving him a ton of time to throw and i bring that up because kurt Benkert admittedly did not have that benefit mm-hmm. but you know i so i think it's kind of hard to compare the two but both have great arm talents yeah. and you know brennan armstrong has and the offense in general honestly i mean they've looked amazing so far through two games mm-hmm. no i i agree i i just think you know we and you're right about you know, Ben Kerr, he came in and that offensive line was no good and he often was under pressure and um but Brendan so far has looked really, really solid. I mean his only interception was I thought a little kind of a funky play where it looked like the defender ripped it out on the ground after they had fallen. I just I, I couldn't really they didn't they didn't show replays in the stadium. It was kind of frustrating. So I don't know if you saw it again on T V but um, I thought the interception looked kind of weird. And, you know, that's not really totally his fault. And that's okay. Kind of a big throw at the end of the game. Well, when the game was already pretty much put away. I, uh, I, I'm i really enjoying watching this offense. It's really fun to watch. And I can't wait to see what they do against uh, the best opponent that we've played by far. 
Certainly. So, I mean, if you're ready, I'm I'm more than ready to hop into this UNC game. Let's. Oh well, we got to talk about defense, dude. Oh my god, the offense <laughs> is so good. We don't even remember. I, the defense. I, know. <laughs> I know. Defense uh, played outstanding. Limited Illinois to 14 points and uh, 337 yards um, rushing and passing. So we did pretty good. Um, and all in all, you know, we held uh, Illinois' quarterback Sikowski to 221 yards, one touchdown, one interception, only a 4.9 average throwing, which which is pretty good. And that's for a secondary that we said was not good uh, at the beginning of the season. So, Rob, has your perception of the secondary changed, or do you think it's a lot to do with the scheme of the three three five that has really elevated their game? I think it's a combination of both. I think the biggest difference this year is the play at cornerback. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll go into a couple of things, actually. But I think cornerback is the biggest difference because, obviously, last year we had Nick Grant and Devontae Cross as the two corners. And neither of them have lined up at outside corner at all. You know, mm-hmm. Devontae Cross is playing the nickel and the two four five, but he's really more of a safety and the base defense currently. So basically you've brought in new players at corner and Anthony Johnson has looked really good on the boundary side. He got picked on a little bit towards the end of the game against Illinois, mm-hmm. but the quarterback threw to him one too many times. They made him pay and got that interception late in the game. And in the field corner spot, I really think this is a position that Darius Braddon is going to take over. You know, the past couple games, Ventrell Cypress and Darius Braddon have been rotating. Ventrell Cypress got a little bit spun around on the first Illinois touchdown. And really after that play, Darius Braddon played field corner the rest of the way. And from what I could tell, it looked like he played pretty well. So you bring in two, three, however you want to call the rotation. You bring in new guys at corner. And I think what you've seen is finally a safety group that really feels like they fit. Last year was such a revolving mm-hmm. door, so many injuries. And Joey Blunt in particular has played great football. And I mean, the UNC uh, defensive coordinator called him out about how well he's playing in his new position this year. So I think the biggest difference is really just the secondary seems to have players fitting in the right place now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And to go along with that, I feel like Noah Taylor had, you know, kind of a breakout game, two sacks, and he looked really dominant kind of in that role. Uh, Seven tackles to lead the team along with uh, Blunt, Antonio Clary, and Nick Jackson. So Noah Taylor had an outstanding game. The thing that stood out to me a lot about the defense was you were talking about Joey Blunt. He is... um, electric when he's not lined up at any position you know he's he runs downhill really fast he's great against the run he makes great reads on the on tackles um i really enjoy him in kind of this roaming safety position oh i mean he excels at it and you know whether or not i mean i'm sure there were several reasons they decided to make the scheme switch but i'm Mm -hmm. sure part of it too is they knew that catered to Joey Blunt's strengths coming downhill. You know, he's not built as a linebacker, but he almost plays like one. Yeah. So it certainly caters to his strength. And Noah Taylor, too, another great point you made there is Noah Taylor's playing a lot better this year. And I think a lot of the reason he's playing a lot better is because they're letting him attack the ball. Last year, you know, it was almost the consequence of that Virginia Tech game. And this is something we 
touched on on many occasions. But the staff, you know, saw that Noah Player, excuse me, Noah Taylor can play in the secondary. That mm-hmm. you know he's athletic, and you know they play Clemson in the ACC championship game. They see Isaiah Simmons, and they think, hey, Noah Taylor's our Isaiah Simmons. You know, whatever went on there, they got too creative with him last year. This year, in his outside linebacker spot, he's pretty much attacking the ball or getting after the quarterback on every play. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great to see him go downhill. And I think he's also a bit bigger this year. You know, both of his sacks came from inside rushes mm-hmm. uh, against Illinois, which is a bit unique. So I'm really excited to see how Noah Taylor plays the rest of the year because he looks a lot more comfortable than he was last year. Yeah, and, and you know, he's in a position where he doesn't have to worry about you know, covering people like he they lined him up in the slot last year. And that's not what he's good at, you know. So I am I'm looking forward to seeing him in a position to really succeed and and lead this team in in sacks this year because he is a player that definitely can make it to the to the league in what he does best. And I'm hoping that he can you know, show that this year with, with his skills and with, you know, what he does on the field. He's, he's electric. No question. I mean, lining up beside Nick Jackson, um, it seems like they've got kind of a good rotation going with Hunter Stewart and Mm -hmm. Elliot Brown. Hunter Stewart had a nice sack, um, on more of a traditional outside rush. So, you know, I'm happy with where the defense is. Now, as we've said, a much, much bigger test is coming against UNC. Right. So we'll see how it plays out there. But I think you couldn't have asked for anything more through two games. Understanding the step up in competition is coming, but through two games, you've seen exactly what you wanted to see from Mm -hmm. this defense. Yeah, exactly. And and they've they've really done a really great job of containing, of not letting those big plays happen that were really detrimental to our team last year. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do against a really good, um, well, a UNC offense that looked really good against Georgia State and not really good against um, Virginia Tech. And, you know, it's it's hard to tell how good Virginia Tech is because it's so early in the season. But my feeling is their defense is pretty good. Um, but I, I think I'm ready to start talking about the UNC game. Are you, Rob? I am. Let's do it. Let's do it. And before we do that, I do want to talk about our sponsors from Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is a live audio-only sports talking platform. Get in on the conversations that you listen to on our podcast with other people on Spotify Greenroom. You uh, can download Spotify Greenroom for free in the iOS app store. You create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whatever group you want. Uh, we are uh, excited to partner with Spotify Greenroom, and you can keep talking about all the sports that you love. All right, so let's talk about let's talk about UNC. So they beat Georgia State fifty nine to seventeen last week after a really terrible game to start the year at Virginia Tech. Uh, Rob, were you able to watch any of the UNC game? I I did not. I saw bits and pieces of their game against Virginia Tech, but no, I did not see any of their okay. game against Georgia State. Yeah, I um. So I I just think you know it's looking at the box score, they really pulled it on, and I think that it's impressive, you know, what they were able to do to Georgia State. 
The thing that stands out to me the most is that Sam Howell was their leading passer, of course, as well as their leading rusher. Um, And that does not, you know, make me excited for them. Um, That's something that stands out to me as the fact that maybe they don't have anyone who can rush at all. Yeah, I think you and I are interpreting this the same way because mm-hmm. I saw that stat line, uh, 11 carries for 104 yards, yeah. two touchdowns, the longest 62 yards. I saw that and I thought, huh, that's weird. I mean, Sam Howe's more of a pocket passer. Mm-hmm. Why is he running? Mm-hmm. And I turn on, I saw his highlight of the 62-yard run. I mean, that would not fly against a Power 5 opponent. I, yeah. I don't know how, quite frankly, Georgia State was not able to tackle him but yeah exactly i see that line and i think where was their running game Mm -hmm. you know last year the past couple years they've been so good with michael carter and javante williams last Mm -hmm. year each of them rushed for over a thousand yards and this year their leading rusher against georgia state uh that's not same how ty chandler 15 carries for 58 yards Mm -hmm. you know that's that's a 3.9 average that's not something that jumps off the page at you right so I think it just goes to show how much they are missing from last year. That's not to say there's not talent on this roster because I think it's well documented how mm-hmm. well Mac Brown has been recruiting. Mm-hmm. But as far as big contributors, you know, we mentioned Michael Carter and Javante Williams. Also think Daz Newsom, Deami Brown. There's a lot missing from this team that the UNC teams from the past two years have had. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, there you know, we're you're talking about losing their two best wide receivers and their two best running backs to go along with a an offensive line that didn't look good. My I mean what what I see when I see Sam Howell as the leading rusher is that they 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 were so focused on stopping him from uh from scoring uh in the passing game that he had just a wide open thing, you know. He he had a wide open lane to run in. And so that's what I see when when I see that is that they, they were so focused on stopping his passing that they let him run all over the place. Yeah, that, that might very well be the case. It's tough to tell. I think UNC, just from the box score and what I saw on Twitter, mm-hmm. you know, I think UNC struggled a little bit in the first half before really kind of opening it up there in the second half. I mean, mm-hmm. Sam Howell finished with an excellent stat line, 21 for 29, 352 mm-hmm. yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. But you want to contrast that to week one against an ACC opponent. Sam Howell was 17 of 32, 208 yards, mm-hmm. one touchdown and three interceptions. Yeah. Sacked six times uh, in that game, by the way, too. So I'm, I'm not willing to put a ton of stock in what we saw against Georgia State. You know, yeah. for better or worse, I think, you know, you could say the same thing about UVA and William and Mary. I think you learned a lot more about UVA against Illinois than mm-hmm. you did against William and Mary. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this this clearly is not the same UNC really really dynamic offense that we had seen the past two years. Yeah, and and even though that that is to say that this team is not talented. You know, Sam Howell threw twenty one of twenty nine for three twenty for three fifty two. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, twelve point one average per throw. I, I that's pretty good, and you know he's very accurate when he's got time in the pocket. You know he's going to make the throw. So just seeing him with kind of that stat line, um, yeah, it's clearly against a Georgia State team that is, you know, 
not as good as Virginia Tech. You know, they're playing at home. They're not at at, at um, they're not in Blacksburg with for the first game, one of the first games of the season. You know, and I think it's just a di- different atmosphere. And you know, they were able to lock in and really give uh, Howell some time. So, you know, it it it'll be interesting to see how we respond and if our guys can get to Sam Howell and make him uncomfortable because I think that's going to be the key of the game right because they're not going to rush the ball very well uh you know we've been playing really good defense if we can get to Sam Howell and get some sacks on him I'd feel a lot better about this game certainly and I actually had the same thought when preparing for this podcast as how do we get after Sam Howell? Mm -hmm. And it's funny, I was going back through the games at least the past two years when Mac Brown and Sam Howell have been with UNC. In 2019, when we beat them on the road, Virginia only recorded, uh, I think it was two sacks. Okay. But when we beat them last year, we recorded, uh, sorry, I want to make sure I have my numbers right. Yeah, so in 2019, we recorded two sacks. Jawan Briggs had one sack, and Noah Taylor and Eli Hainback each had half a sack. Mm-hmm. When we played them last year, we had seven sacks. Yeah. So And four of those came from Charles Snowden. So, you know, that's a big difference. And last year, the game, we were more physical than they were, but they moved the football, UNC did. Mm-hmm. And last year was so much about situational football, making plays in key situations and the red zone and also taking advantage of turnovers. I think this year is going to be a little bit different. I think UVA's offense is more explosive. Brennan Armstrong has a full year of experience, and we have more weapons on the outside this year. So I think Virginia might not have to play as perfect a game situationally as they did last year in order to win. Mm-hmm. But I think this is – I mean, it's going to be a close game regardless. And another point I do want to raise is I'm really curious to see how Brennan Armstrong does on his first – really true road game mm-hmm. with fans in the stand you know last year i think there were some fans in the stand for clemson i think there were some in mm-hmm. miami but for the most part it was empty stadiums yeah this is going to be brendan armstrong's first true away game where the stadium is allowed to be filled to capacity mm-hmm. so i think that's a new dynamic we need to talk about especially in light of uva struggles on the road yeah. uh, really for the past 10 years yeah yeah, and I think that to go along with that, if we are able to, if we are able to get to Sam Howell and we limit his passing and apparently limit his rushing, I feel a lot better about this game than I did, you know, a little bit ago, and I am really excited to um, watch this game now. I, you know, coming into the season, I was unsure of of what would happen and. You know, I thought, well, maybe this is just going to be a huge shootout. And, you know, is our defense ready to face Sam Howell again and, and you know, try and stop him again? But now I feel a lot more confident. And really, I think this is not so much an offensive thing as well as our can our defense limit Sam Howell enough for us to get an edge? Um, that's really what I'm looking for in, in this game. I mean, certainly a key. And Sam Howell's a top 10 pick, maybe a top five pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, regardless, he's a fantastic football player for UNC. And we've known that since his freshman year. I yeah. mean, he's been lighting up the ACC since he stepped foot on the field. Mm-hmm. So 
I think it's going to be interesting how they choose to attack, especially the three, three, five and the base sets. I think what you're going to see and the nickel from UVA isn't all that different from what UVA has played in the past years, but how Sam Howell is able to attack our defense really on first and second down is going to be interesting to watch because it is a different defense than what he faced the past two years. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I don't want to discredit anything that UNC does because we know the type of athletes that they recruit and we know how good Sam Howell is. But I do think UVA is, I think, honestly, for the past two years when UVA has played them, I think this is the year when UVA is best equipped to face Sam Howell in this UVA mm-hmm. or in this UNC offense. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I feel, you know, I even feel much more comfortable now than I think I did last year or even two years ago with, with, you know, Bryce out there. Um, it's just a lot different of a, of a feel that goes along with it. I think that this team is way better than we thought. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just excited to see, you know, what we can do with it. I I'm, this game is at seven thirty on ACC network. Um, it should be a really good game. And, uh, I'm, I, I can't say it enough. I'm really excited for this game. This is a huge game for us. Oh, I mean, without question. And, um, you know, not to uh, go on and on here, but one more thing that you said that um, caught my attention is, you know, confidence as we go into UNC. And I think it's really important to remember in 2019 when we were going to play UNC, UVA had lost three out of four games yep. going into that UNC game. I mean, mm-hmm. we were reeling. The offense really wasn't doing anything. And that was really the game that flipped the season around. And last year's the same way. UVA had lost four in a row going into that UNC game. They were one in four. UVA gets the win and really turns that season around. Mm-hmm. So it's almost totally flipped. You know, for the past two years for UVA, this North Carolina game has been a must-win game. But now this year, UVA is the one at 2-0. and North Carolina is the one at 1-1. One and one, But Oh, and one in the ACC. I mean, if North Carolina wants to have a shot at getting to the ACC championship game, they're the ones that are in the must win situation here, Mm -hmm. not UVA. Right. So it's a completely different dynamic this year. I think UVA comes in with a lot more confidence and, you know, I, I guess we'll see how North Carolina responds, but I think UNC is really the one with the pressure on them this week. Yeah. So it's going to be a totally different mindset for both teams coming into this game. Yeah, and and I think the way that we go about it is, you know, th- this team is confident. You can see that that they know they're confident and they um they are ready and they're hungry to to do well. Um, they I read this a good article, a really good article by Zach Carey today on streaking the lawn and he was talking about how you know broncos saying that the the team has performed really well but they're they're still hungry and they know that they can do better you know we talked earlier about leaving points on the on the field and you know even the defense had some lapses especially in the in the drive uh right coming out of halftime where illinois just kind of seemed like they were running all over us but you know this team does really well with with that and so i am i'm looking forward to the pressure of of this team and and how they can face it certainly and i i know we said this before the podcast i think it makes sense that we stick to it Mm -hmm. for fate's sake but we're probably not going to make a prediction right now just because we're both a bit too superstitious yeah (laughs) but 
I will say both of us in the preseason predicted this as a loss for UVA. Mm -hmm. And Dustin, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think both of us right now feel more confident about this game than we did when we made those predictions a few weeks ago. I do. I I can no longer say that this is going to be a a loss or or a win. I I there's nothing that will that is going to change my mind, I think, from not giving a prediction because I, I cuz if I say something it's going to go poorly <laughs> and uh, I don't want to jinx that right now. So, I'm refraining from giving a prediction for this week. And and I take back what I said earlier as well. <laughs> and one thing I will say is if this game was in Charlottesville, I'd predict UVA to win and mm-hmm. I feel pretty confident about it. Yeah. I think what's been so much of the talk this week is how poorly the UVA teams, especially recently, have played on the road. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we touched on how this will be kind of uh, Brennan Armstrong's first real road game with fans mm-hmm. in the stand. So, you know, there's a lot in the air right now. And I think if UVA is able to win this game on the road, not only will they make a statement nationally as far as, hey, guys, like UVA looks pretty good this year. But I think they're also would be making a statement mm-hmm. in their own minds saying, you know, like, hey, now we can beat Miami on the road. We can beat Louisville on the road. We can beat BYU on the road. You know, I think there's a lot to be said for getting that monkey off their back. Yeah. And that's so much how the 2019 team started. That mm-hmm. 2019 9-win team started the season by beating Pitt on the road. And mm-hmm. I think that did a lot for their confidence. Yeah. So I think for UVA, you know, I think there's a lot riding on this game just, you know, nationally, but also just internally. You know, if Virginia can get this win, I mean, UVA is probably ranked and people are probably talking about UVA a little bit more than they're talking about him now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I also think, you know, you know, we're, I mean, we're joking about Brennan Armstrong for Heisman, but he's had some of the best performances over the last two weeks. Uh, you know, once again, it's against inferior opponents, but he's looked really good this season. Whereas some of the other Heisman hopefuls haven't necessarily looked great to start the year. And, you know, if he has a really good game on the road against a ranked team, if Virginia can beat a ranked team for the first time since 2011, then I think not only does this Virginia team probably be ranked next week, um, but, you know, there's probably some talk nationally about, whoa, maybe maybe this Armstrong guy has a strong arm and we should be paying more attention to him. And, you know, that that's something that I think is really fun especially for a fan base you know coming off of that 2019 year we're really looking up Bryce Perkins is you know one of the best players in our in this team's history and and then 2020 comes and it's just not the same you know we have a, a rough go of it um but this I, this team is great and you know going to the going to Scott Stadium was amazing that they're, they're so hype even though there was only like 20,000 people in the stands you know it was it was a really great atmosphere I I'm actually really excited for Wake Forest in a couple weeks on Friday night I'm hoping that a lot more people go to that game because it's a great it's a great time and this team is fun to watch so I'm I'm just excited for this season they've made me more excited and I'm pumped for this weekend no question man I couldn't have said it better myself so You know, it's going to be great watching a lot of college football Saturday. But, I mean, you know, come Saturday night, like, 
buckle up. I'm locked in. I'm ready for North Carolina. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Rob, is there any last thing you would like to say or any anything else that we should talk about before we end this? No, I, I think we've covered it. I mm-hmm. think this is the biggest game for UVA. I mean, certainly since Brennan Armstrong has been the starting cornerback, and mm-hmm. I think it's going to tell us a lot, especially if UVA wins. I think it's going to tell us a lot about where this season really could go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, Let's get excited for the season. Let's go ahead and and cheer on the Who's this 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 weekend, Saturday, seven thirty, ACC Network. And thank y'all so much for listening. This is the Guys and Ties podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Snapchat for any bonus content that that may be out there at Guys and Ties Pod. Go ahead and follow us on iTunes and Spotify if you want to keep listening. And we will see you guys next week. Go Who's.